off the record, on the rocks. Welcome back to another episode of Off the Record on the Rocks with my friend, Mr. Ancarino Laura. How are you doing, sir? I'm great, Mike. How are you? How's your week? It has been going well. Uh, September's now over. So any any chance of a rebound of a of a rally during September? All of my predictions, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> I freely admit uh, that is not what has transpired. However, however, we've got a bunch of stuff we can cover. I think um, one of the things that stood out to me in terms of the crypto markets and the worlds and regulators and all the stuff that we've been talking about in past episodes, the one that sort of stuck out to me is the SEC charging Kim Kardashian for unlawfully touting crypto on her Instagram account. I want to unpack this for a little bit because... You talk a lot about the the p- the political theater, if you will, of this mm-hmm. the setup of the storytelling. We've discussed this a lot in terms of how the you know Zuckerberg comes into Congress and there's a presentation and it makes the nightly news and it cycles through. This one to me feels a little bit like the SEC grabbing headlines, leveraging Kardashian celebrity to drive the coming regulation into the spotlight. What's your take? Yeah, I, th- I mean, we, we talked a lot about stunts as performed by the celebrities themselves over the, the last months, maybe year, where, you know, you're the Yuga Labs moment where, uh, is it Paris Hilton got up on Jimmy Fallon Live and everyone showed, they showed that they have a board eight right. yacht club membership everyone in the whole audience is going to get airdrop some kind of an nft to commemorate the moment and we already know that there has been tons of uh, question marks i think across all these youtube channels there's all kinds of inter youtube issues with youtube influencer celebrities pumping and you know programs that end up becoming projects that just dump and there's this consistency of then the youtubers all talking down at each other battling each other the sec hasn't even pulled back the youtube curtain right kim kardashian high profile high value target what do we know about kim kardashian well she was married to kanye west and kanye west also has affiliations with the trump white house let's talk about taking the narrative all the way through the family but what else does she have tons of money and what else does kim kardashian not want to do go to court or arbitration so my favorite part about that article is she just said oh okay i won't do that again Here's a million dollars, and basically just said, just go away. And if they, if that's how the SEC goes hunting, you know, for these kinds of big elk in their big forest, well, gosh, I would be worried if I were Paris Hilton, if I were like, God, I can name like a dozen hip hop artists who've been pumping, you know, coins all through that that rush. Um, I think we're going to see them, like you said, grab the headlines, establish no one is above the law, and you know, maybe they don't go after the LinkedIn kid who made ten grand. But we're going to go after all the top tier celebrities who like, you know, Wiz Khalifa, I want to say, is like the spokesperson for some random DeFi chain or whatever. There's there's so many people with so much money. I think it's just the beginning. And Kim, Kim Kardashian is the tip of the spear. Yeah, I I haven't checked recently, but I, I feel like the the crypto recommendations from the White House coming to fruition. I don't know if you've heard or seen anything about Biden calling now for actual regulation so sort of this initial study i'm sure there's a comment period and now it's like we need regulation and then at for the everyday 
market observer, they're hearing, oh yeah, did you hear Kim Kardashian? She got in trouble for that crypto. And it's, it's, it's all seemingly a setup to, this does need to be regulated here. Here it comes. And I don't know, timing wise, we're into Q4 now. Do you feel like this is a setup for, uh, the fed, you know, I don't know, continuing to increase, like how how can you tie this back to, well, I think we, I think this is like the part of the slow March we've seen. I mean, the, the fed in its current form knows that it has like a three year window to, to work before there's going to be new presidential elections and potential changes and what have you. We already talked about Trump administration, really not saying anything about crypto and just sort of leaving it to the side. And now you have the Biden administration, uh, SEC has been ramping up even through Trump's, you know, administration into now all these different efforts. We talked about, you know, Tether and other types of stable coins as being in the crosshairs of the government as the CBDCs come online. Talked about DeFi just because they're staking and you're, there's no value exchange that occurs in the present, but it does in the future. How do you re- register losses and wins and gains? Um, NFTs, right? Are, are, what are NFTs? Do they uh, appreciate value? Do I pay tax on the Picasso I have in my closet? Should I pay tax on the, 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 the board? Hey, I think that when it comes right down to it, if you go through all those three things I just said, from stable coins to NFTs to DeFi staking protocols, they're all really confusing. And they're actually quite complicated and they're so nuanced yeah. in terms of who owns it. We just talked about fractional ownership of NFTs, you know, a couple of months ago. And what happens then? Are 20 people paying taxes on the losses and the gains or vice versa or whatever? Um, so when it comes to just straight up crypto, like in the way that the government talks about it, Ethereum blockchain, second layer, copy paste, make a token, it's pretty straightforward stuff. There are exchanges. They let you put real money in and take out digital money. When the digital money gets pumped by people like Kim Kardashian, it goes up. When all these other things get pumped by people like DeFi protocols and you know who pumps stable coins, I don't know anybody does that, or NFTs, it's all under this guise of like artwork and original creators. So it seems really, it seems, makes sense to me, the Gensler and the SEC coming straight for this kind of a win because Hey, you're going to get a whole bunch of money, all these fines out of people, and you're going to get them to sign agreements to stop talking about stuff. But I think you're super hard pressed to get that in any of the other categories outside of just traditional non-Bitcoin cryptocurrencies, unless you actually have some form of a standardized and regulated format where you know banks actually say, this is what DeFi is, or artist communities say, this is the way NFTs work. Because that's so murky, I think the only way they can get real action is, is going here. So I think here's where we're going to start. We're going to see this for months. And I don't think we see regulation in other places probably for a while outside of them asking you to, to you know, to declare it on your taxes and do it well, proactively. It, I'll, I'll stick on this for one more minute and then we can kind of move from the this regulation into the NFT side of things. But on the regulation side, I, I can just think back over the last six months the flip-flopping from Jamie Dimon at JP Morgan around mm-hmm. the narrative, right? There was during the summer, it was JP Morgan enters the metaverse and they were standing up specific funds around crypto. And there was this real web three push and then sort of a flip-flop, not sort of a complete flip-flop of no, you know, crypto's a, a scam. It, it's, you know, it's a, it's all a Ponzi. It's, it's almost as though that's, to buy some time 
to get on the train with the narrative. Okay, guys, right now the narrative is these things are dangerous. They're a scam. We're going to slap people on the wrist. We're going to find people. By the way, in the background, we're working with Coinbase. We think we figured out how to do KYC with all the customers. As soon as we write the regulation, we'll come back. And then all the, all the big financial institutions, Fidelity, TD Bank, you guys can roll out all your new crypto fund projects. And simultaneously, and this is from four hours ago, you've got MasterCard looks to make buying crypto safer with its crypto secure risk assessment tool. So mm -hmm. now the, the narrative coming in around security and how these, these trusted institutions <laughs> are, are going to help make this safer. The regulation will come in, the institutions will provide security measures and protocols. I mean, it just feels so, uh, I say predictable, but yet here we are, it's, it's still taking time, right? To get, well, it takes a lot of time and, and building on what you're saying, I think that what we're seeing is the natural behavior of individuals in positions of power at the financial institutions that you just described, leveraging their playbook in terms of how they have manipulated and taken advantage of markets over many decades. So if you want to rewind it and talk about the stock market and the evolution of the stock market and how you start to create these ETFs and these derivatives and these funds and these futures and these packages of things, which ultimately end up being kind of an IOU note to investors, to retail investors. Like, hey, you get this partial, you get this basket of stuff and it has all these pieces in it. Now, do you physically get any access to it? Well, in, the, in those days, of course you don't. You just get a little IOU that says you have this much of it and you can come and redeem it later. Well, fast forward to Web3. Okay, now people, you know, institutional investors are notwithstanding, people, retail investors are able to disintermediate these banks, right? I have my ledger. I have my cold storage. I have my seed phrase. You can't sell to me what I can go get from the web. But to go mainstream, let's hit the checkboxes, right? What's the first thing? First uh, doubt, crypto is used by terrorists, uh, murderers, and drug dealers. Well, uh, if that's true, then what? Well, let's go arrest some terrorists. Let's go arrest some money launderers. Guess what? Do, Do Kwan, Do Kwan has the, you know, however many international, fund, international military organizations looking for him. Let's talk about all the guys from Tornado Cash. Let's talk about all these guys. Okay, now I've, I've peppered the headlines with I've went, we've gone and got the criminals. Okay, check that box. Now I'm feeling better, I'm a mainstream retail guy. Second thing, but my bank says it's garbage. Jamie Dimon, I follow his Twitter feed, he's amazing, he says it's garbage. Gosh, what's happening while he's saying that? I believe him, the market's going down. Every time him and all his friends start talking about how bad everything is, the market goes down. Why would they want the market to go down? Well, because then it's at a nice bottom when you roll out your commercial during the US <laughs> Open saying about how you are hard on crypto. And then what's the little underneath that they're not really saying is, oh, you're gonna come and buy shares of Ethereum and Polkadot and our approved risk-free cryptos that MasterCard's risk assessment has said, your basket of crypto sounds great. Let's remember, the head of MasterCard not that that long ago said crypto was a basket of garbage. Now he's saying it's a basket of future investment. And so as soon as he says that, I say, oh, okay, well, maybe I can put some money in. But wait, the government still says 
the third checkbox, right? The criminals, we got that. We got the banks, but the government, are they still going to like accept it? Or are they going to hit me with some huge tax bill? Oh, we're going to go ahead and regulate it. These are the securities. And you know what a security is, Mike. You have a Tesla stock and you have an Apple stock. Guess what's going to be in that little bundle of your portfolio? Some Ethereum. You feel good about it? Me too. Sign here. And then here's your little IOU that says you own some crypto somewhere. But yet you don't have any keys, you have no ledger, you have no control. And Jamie Dimon laughs all the way while everyone starts rushing in at 20K and Bitcoin goes through the ceiling and so is crypto. Oh, Sorry, that was my, my manifesto, that's, my, my diatribe for the day. That's what's going good. on. They're crooked. They're crooked. <laughs> all it, three branches are crooked. It's good. It's good, though. I mean, I think now we, we've been saying it for a long time, but it's time to be paying attention to... If you're an individual, even retail, you know, to be looking at how do you own the keys to to these, uh, not financial advice, right? But but you should own the keys. You should have the seed phrase because it is the non-custodial wallet. You are the custodian. You are in charge of it. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful concept. Um, I'm going to take us in, into maybe a little bit of a lighter world, but it's probably next on once we check those boxes on crypto itself. You know, the NFTs, the NFT projects have have probably been the catalyst that drove the need for a lot of that regulation. Um, and we've been talking about last episode. We talked about Starbucks and the new Odyssey program, and of course. Global financial institutions not going to stand up an NFT loyalty program unless their lawyers know that it's within the the, the boundaries of the the current and existing law. And I I don't know where I want to go with this, but you're seeing. We, I'll go straight to Gary V, right? And and V friends and mm. what he's doing quickly uh, to monetize his NFT project in the physical world. And he's taking his V friends. Uh, he's got a partnership with Macy's and Toys R Us. I'm assuming it's, well, I know it's a pop-up Toys R Us inside of Macy's around the country. Both of those struggling retailers, kind of interesting. They're creating plush stuffed animals of Gary Vaynerchuk's V friends uh, and selling them at a pretty premium price point. I think somewhere between 12 and $25. I think I saw $35 for the common sense cow. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, I wonder, and I don't know where you want to, your take on the overall NFT, the use of the IP, because I I can kind of bring it back around to uh, where this is taking the full NFT marketplace and the intellectual property and are NFT securities type thing, but what's your reaction to Gary Vaynerchuk's V friends going physical, going from <laughs> NFT first into the real world? Well, look, I've met Gary Vaynerchuk a couple of times, uh, various conferences over the years. He's a really, really smart guy, but more than that, he's also wildly consistent in his content creation and his, like, it almost seems like he has a personal need to create content. He's an, he's always talking, and, and 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 he has a team with him who's always filming and always cutting and producing. So he's invested a lot of money, a lot of time into becoming comfortable with effectively. I think at one point he was even talking about a reality TV like called Gary V TV back in the day. Um, he's explored a lot of different things, and I think that when it comes to the plushy toy as like the output, it makes total sense to me. In fact, I'm shocked that the the board apes, for example 
didn't you know create some partnership where owners of apes could order their own products or just somewhere else you could find these little um these plushy toys but honestly the necessity of life is obviously what drives people to their next thing and from what i understand he's got some young kids and when you've got young kids well your world is around those kinds of locations that you go to like pop-up toys R Us's and macy's and when you see an opportunity and a big hole in the side of that which is these are two struggling retailers you, your words which is totally true they need a little kickstart into Web3. Here comes Gary Vee. Probably have got an awesome deal for the first run. And uh, it's probably going to make a you know, fair amount of money. I don't think they're particularly attractive toys. I like My kids have plushy toys that are all sort of, I don't know, they look a little less technicolored, I guess, and like from a daytime TV show. But who knows? Maybe there's a market for it. But let me throw something back at you about – go ahead. You go ahead. You well, go ahead. I, you were going to say I something. Was, yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, Vayner Media started out as a kind of disruptive web two agency, right? That, that was his whole agency, shtick. Right? That was his whole shtick was disrupting Madison Avenue. Why, you don't need to spend millions of dollars on a Super Bowl commercial if you can get hundreds of thousands of Instagram views. Or he moved on to TikTok and he talks about it is about that content creation across all these channels that you can essentially. Uh, uh, arbitrage or I forget the word he uses to describe like you can get the same number of of eyeballs and attention without that massive Super Bowl commercial or sticker price required for a television spot and I just wonder if this is sort of his play into because he personally has stood up this web3 brand this nft project I know he's consulted with a lot of brands um, through uh, Candy Digital, which is the uh, the Web3 partnership between MLB and VaynerMedia mm -hmm. for merchandise, MLB merchandise. So I know there's been some sort of agency consultation to these brands. This one feels like you talk about getting a sweet deal, and I'm thinking, yeah, now all of a sudden Toys R Us and Macy's have an opportunity to leverage the NFT piece of what Gary's bringing to the table to to become a Web3 brand, to reinvent their struggling retailer based on NFT loyalty programs or based on, you know, if you hold this Macy's NFT token, you get early shopping access on, you know, Black Friday. I have no idea, but mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing where the NFT projects are going. I wonder if this is his Trojan horse into those struggling retailers to both further his IP and simultaneously start to sell it as a service. Like what he's able to provide, he could do for those brands themselves. Anyway, it's a different thing. Yeah, but. no, I think that like what you, you talk about Trojan Horus, that's sort of what I was going for next, which is, you know, we haven't taken a step back from NFTs in a long time. I mean, we take a step back from crypto as an umbrella and talk about the various components and NFTs being one of them. But I'm, I've been starting to think as of late, as you start to see things like the Gary V, V friends, here's the plushy toy. But by the way, it comes with some little, I guess a QR code somewhere on it. You can then go get the NFT, you know, if that's what you want. You might just go get the plushy toy and be done with it, right? The NFT is like that secondary thing. It's it is a Trojan horse, right? Struggling retailers want to become Web3. Well, what can struggling retailers do in Web3, in crypto world? They're not gonna, 
become buyers and sellers of Bitcoin. They're not going to be like building out new blockchains. They're not going to create DeFi protocols. They're not going to, I mean, they may create a metaverse experience. They may have NFTs. Like they're kind of, that's where their little niche is. And I look at it like, you know, maybe I'm starting to think about NFT as a distribution platform. The same, not unlike, you know, a web page, not unlike a Blu-ray disc, not unlike a cassette tape, right? The art, the creator value is what's in it, what's on it, not the fact that it is an NFT. And I think there's right. this Trojan horse happening where it's the same way that like when Blu-ray went to Microsoft and PlayStation back in the day and was basically making those two duke it out to see who would build Blu-ray native into their console. And of course, Sony built in the Blu-ray. Microsoft went with this HD DVD format, which kind of became the beta of the, you know, the cassette VHS Betamax world. So, and then at the end of the day, does anyone even have a Blu-ray anymore? I think I have four or five somewhere on some shelf because streaming comes in and now actually it becomes 100% about the content. So I feel like there's this, this false sort of analog of NFT is to crypto, like Bitcoin is to crypto, like Ethereum is to crypto, like the metaverse, like DeFi. It's not. It almost feels like it's just a pure technology, a mechanism to deliver yeah. something to someone of value. And if that's true, then all these guys are going to be in that street fight trying to get like NFTs for all their products. Fast forward five years, no one's going to even know the word NFT. It's going to, who knows, it could be boiled down to a picture and a QR code at the end of it all. And it becomes a, like a trading card, like no different than just a normal baseball card, Pokemon card. And you're back to collectibles in the real world. Like if I buy a Pokemon <laughs> NFT, are you going to send me a Pokemon card? Well, like at what point does, does the, the dogs, the, the, the dog start, what's it? The, the tail starts wagging the dog. You're going in a circle here and we're just like talking about a platform play, but yet Gary has sold it into these guys as it's like it's the future of, of collectible goods or something. It's really interesting to me. I think you're right though that that NFT is a data carrier. It carries data with it, metadata, information, links, ownership, price. It can be anything though. And so all of a sudden you're right. If you can start to connect a QR code or an NFC chip or a UPC label that pretty exists on every physical product already, but tie it back to the blockchain. Now it in and of itself is by definition an NFT, right? As long as the data can be carried on a physical item and it tied back to a digital twin. We talked about digital twins, but yeah, you're right. I think it is these, this, and I said NFTs for, force the need for regulation. It's also NFTs forcing this conversation around the blurring of physical and digital. It is just a bridge between the two. It will go away. And the value is in the information behind the thing. Uh, does it get me access to Macy's early? Do I get free coffee? Can I get on the plane early? You know, whatever those access things are that are not going to be, but how you carry it, it's going to be in your phone. Well, it's going to be in your digital wallet, on your Apple device, right? And like you were saying, it's just the mechanism to get all those special accesses. Well, today, people forget that before NFTs, all of that same stuff existed with QR codes. It just didn't have this like beautiful sort of slick layer on top of what people view as this rarity and the collectability. It's, it was just a QR code and an image that there was only very few of. So like, I wonder, you take this sort of full circle around the block here on sort of what Gary Vee is sort of bringing, pulling out from under the bed and in the light, literally a whole bunch of plushy toys, there were stuff there. But then Toys R Us and Macy says, well, wait a second, we have a SKU based product database that we use 
to order inventory and then stock the shelves virtually and digital and in real life and then sell these products whether they're v friends or you know pairs of nice shoes you know from our, our our shoes department and then someone says well what if we just take all those skew based entries in that database and just convert it to the blockchain and there's going to be these back-end very not sexy companies who roll in you know probably some arm of you know oracle and there'll be some arm of salesforce and some arm of adobe and they'll all have their weird products and names which lets you do a conversion I want to convert my yeah. database of products to the blockchain. And so at that point, what happens to Gary Vee? Suddenly everything's on the blockchain and not just the Vee friends. And he's like, oh, I was here first. So I got my money for two years and I'm gone. Like as long as he's there first, hoodwinks him on like, you need NFTs. Do I? Or do I just need to upgrade my database? Like, isn't it the same thing? It's, it's very, if this is that window where when you're running on the blurs of frontiers between states, between countries, between technological advancements, Web 2 and Web 3, they're going to be some hooligans, they're going to be some entrepreneurs, some criminals, and some gangsters who run in that gray area and make a boatload of money before everyone on both sides says, wait a second, we can just call these securities, put them over there. <laughs> wait a second, we can just call this old Blu-ray tech, yep. moving data. Like, let's just get the whole database is going to be upgraded in, a, in two months. And now when what? you, you, know, when you said know. Oracle and Salesforce, I remember we haven't talked about Dreamforce, but the big Salesforce conference happened. Uh, I don't know if you had any buzz coming out of it, but days leading up to the conference, like 48 hours before the conference, Salesforce's sort of PR comm strategy was all about their NFT cloud service, letting brands create and sell NFTs within Salesforce. Now, I heard some boots on the ground conversations that, that once at Dreamforce there really wasn't a lot of talk about crypto NFTs, Web3, but it was more the strategic comms leading into the conference mm -hmm. as though it were a big narrative. I don't know if you heard anything. Coming uh, well, I, heard, I had a couple of friends who attended it, and what I heard was something similar, but in, in some ways that there's a, a there, there is sort of a, how was it described to me? It's like there's a shroud of secrecy over something that is public and you know, uh, and and totally available to see. It's like they're the the, the, the main companies, <laughs> like the Salesforce, the Oracles, the Adobe's, are trying to layer a veil of mystique on what is it you and I know is decentralized, open source, like cryptography, cryptography, where programs are public. Like, go to the GitHub, read the white paper. There isn't some secret strategy that's going on. You know what I mean? It's like it would be like saying, oh, Salesforce, you know, and Oracle have a secret strategy about how they're going to use, you know more um, adaptive HTML on their front-end displays. Like, well, obviously, everyone is. Everyone's going to do NFTs. But yet, so what would you talk about if you got up there? You'd have to go up there and say, hi, my name is yeah, so-and-so. We have a exactly. team. We're working on NFTs. <laughs> We're using you this open-source, decentralized technology that you already had access to, but You've it's ours seen. now. But, but we're using it in this really cool, different way, and we're going to offer it to brands at a special price. Well, it, but, it's, but take it, that through to the other link you sent me, uh, Warner Music Group and OpenSea joining forces to expand Web3 opportunities for artists. So, like, you know, the whole principle 18 months ago, 12 months ago, the conversation around NFT summer was around uh, how NFTs were going to help the starving artist. You know that that it yeah, was going to, yeah. and now you've got the big record label, and there was a whole other side conversation which we've had here about NFTs disrupting the music industry and how rights and 
uh, provenance over the, the music itself could be controlled. Well, now you've got the traditional guy. So we just talked about Salesforce. We've talked about uh, uh, Starbucks coming in. Now you've got Warner Music Group coming in saying that they're going to expand Web3 opportunities for artists, which yeah. is funny because they're just using this decentralized technology in their ecosystem. Well, it's funny. It's it's funny, (laughs) but it's also, I mean, so let's just say you're the executive at Warner Music, right? We're the executives, and Warner, I believe, is the largest cataloged music group of all the major music groups. I I think that's true. I don't know. I think they tout that. Let's just say they are one of the top two, Um, and let's say they're the biggest. Well, what what do you what can you do, right? You're not a technology company. You don't have a ton of developers and engineers who are like badass Web3 guys. You're woefully behind. I mean, you're just happy if someone's paying crypto to buy your music. If you know Amazon sells a Warner record for Bitcoin, you're like, awesome. Like we're, We can put that on our you know PR. But what I think is fascinating is this comes on the heels of another announcement that I don't think we even talked about. It was at the very beginning of this year sometime. I only know this because I have a bunch of friends who work at Pandora and Spotify, and they always like, keep me abreast of these kinds of things. But... Apparently, the sandbox, the metaverse, the sandbox did a deal with Warner to be their metaverse partner. So what I think Warner did was they just said, hey, we don't, what what do we know? What's our power? Well, we have the largest, you know, catalog of music and we own probably access to these various places and, you know, concert halls and whatever. What do we not have? We don't have anything in the metaverse. Okay, let's go call somebody. Sandbox, boom. What else do we not have? Well, we don't really have anything in the NFT world. Okay, call them. Let's do a deal. Boom. Open C, the biggest exchange. And, you know, you can imagine them thinking, well, I would love, me, Warner, would love to just take a swing at disintermediating the streaming guys, right? Screw Apple Music. Screw, you know, uh, Amazon Prime Music or whatever the different things are called. Because I can go to OpenSea and I can sell an album of my music and it happens to be an nft and right. gosh look at the look at this nft it's a perfect square like vinyl it has liner notes it's a return to the old days of me owning the record stores and like sending them music and now i can do that via the open sea so i feel like this is one of those moments where we're seeing in web3 each of those major brands and players flexing and leveraging their greatest asset in the partnership game of trying, you know, like you said, we talked about this last time, Nike and Artifact and, you know, made close to 300 million or whatever off that partnership. Nike knew they weren't going to do anything with NFTs, but Artifact could. Warner's not going to hire developers, but these two guys already have. Um, The question is, will anyone care to go buy NFTs from OpenSea related to their favorite artists from Warner Music? That's the question. Does anyone care? And right now, OpenSea to me feels a little Wild Westy little piratey getting hacked you know things are happening over there if you had suddenly had amazon selling warner nfts well now that's a different story right because there's a trust component there's going to be a layer of privacy and trust that has to be layer of privacy that has to be you know crossed and and a wall of trust built before the mainstream will say and again the government's checked off three of those boxes (laughs) right now right now like nefarious website open sea I mean, literally, the name of it of it sounds bad. Like, if, if you're going to tell your mom, "I need a hundred bucks Pirate to go Bay, spend money on like. OpenSea," like, well, what is this exactly? And you're buying what? It's like, oh, but I'm getting it from Amazon. Oh, here you go, honey. Here's your gift card. So, I think it's all rumblings. We're going to see. I think we're going to see. This is the beginning of Q4. Q3 
huge partnership announcements. Like last year at this time, we were talking about acquisition announcements, investment announcements. Now we're seeing a year cycle swing through. Now it's partnership announcements. Because guess what happens in a down market? You partner, you don't buy shit. I mean, unless it's cheap. Uh, like Gary V and his relationship with Toys R Us, no doubt. <laughs> All right, sir. I think I'm going to leave it there. Uh, as always, it's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure Off to talk to you record. next time. On the rocks. 